Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Western Heights Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. We exist to exalt Christ, equip the church, and engage the community. For more info, visit whbcwaco.org. Praise teams will be making their way down. I invite you to go ahead and open your Bibles to Luke chapter 24, 13 through 35. By now, you are probably about fed up. Uh, you've about had it with this coronavirus, and you're ready to get back to some sense of normalcy in your own life, uh, some, some sense of purpose that maybe you can start meeting with your family, you can start meeting with your friends, you can go back to work, or, or maybe you can attend worship. Uh, as we said before, I, I've never seen anything like this in, in the years of worship. But the good news is that we may be cooperating with our local officials, Father, to, uh, to protect people. We may be uh, doing what we can to protect, but, but the gospel still is not silence. And we have this ability to come into your homes and share the message with you. But you're probably at the end of your rope. I know I am. And with my wife being in Alaska, it's, it's a lot more difficult around my house. I try to carry on a conversation with my chihuahuas. Uh, they look at me and, and, and wag their tails. And I try to carry on a conversation with my cat, and she just walks away. Uh, so I don't have a lot of conversation going on in my house. So you're probably fed up, and you're probably asking the question, what is God doing? Why is God allowing this to happen? And then you're probably ultimately asking the question, how can we find help in this difficult time? How can we find encouragement during this difficult time? And that's the question I want to ponder with you this morning. I want to consider that question as we look at this passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 24, 13 through 35. As we look at this passage, and we discover that uh, this was the experience of two disciples on their, way to the, uh, on their way to the city of Emmaus. And they were having a bad day. They were having a difficult time in, in their life. They were facing uh, disappointment. They were disillusioned. And they may have cried out the same question that we're asking at this time. How, how can I find help? How can I find help in the midst of this difficulty? So follow along in your copy of God's Word. We'll have it on the screen for you, but I always like you to have your Word open so we can look at it. Luke chapter 24, 13 through 35, and this is what it says in God's Word. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other, about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know uh, the things that have happened here in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. 
Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up at once and returned to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them, assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. You see that the disciples were having a bad day. They were having a difficult time, and, and they were crying out for help. And we see three things that will help us during this difficult time. In, in the midst of this virus, in the midst of our doubts, in the midst of our fears, in the midst of our difficulties, there's three things that will help us. The first thing I want you to see is that we ought to look to one another. We ought to look to one another. And I think this is an important truth that will help us during this time. And even though uh, in the midst of social distancing, it may be harder for us to look to one another, we still have that ability. We can phone call people. We can text. We can message people. Uh, we can do social media. There's lots of ways we can still reach out. And the fact of the matter is, we need community. A sense of community is important during difficult times. And it's what brought these men together. Look at, what, look at these individuals. Uh, they depended upon one another. The scripture says they walked with one another. They talked with one another. They discussed the things that were going on uh, around them. Uh, they voiced their hurts. They voiced their tears. Uh, they, they voiced their disappointments. And, and they talked about the frustration that they were experienced. Uh, they, they shared their fears. They shared their discouragements. They looked to one another. And that's what community is all about. That's what the Christian community is all about. We come together and we support one another and we encourage one another during difficult times. And it's that, it's that awareness that not only am I I'm not in this thing alone, but I can talk to somebody about it. I can talk about what's going on in my life. That's what the community of faith is all about. That's what it means to be a part of a Christian community. In the midst of disappointment, in the midst of, of discouragement, in the midst of difficulty, we exist to offer support and offer encouragement to one another during difficult times. These men recognized that. They understood they needed one another during the difficult times. And I think it's long overdue that we rediscover the reality that we exist in this community of faith called the church because we need one another. That's one of the things I've been praying through this coronavirus, that, that maybe those of us that have taken the church for granted, 
those of us that say we don't necessarily need the church, it'll always be there, that maybe now you're realizing since the church isn't there for you, since you can't physically be with the body of Christ, that maybe you're rekindled that love and that affection for the people of God, desiring how much you really need community. Because the fact of the matter is God created us to bear one another's burdens. That's what we do. We share one another's burdens. Uh, several years ago, when we took our first trip to Hidalgo on our mission trip, the very first one, uh, we got down there, and we, after, after we'd done all of our mission work today, we were having a pickup basketball game with some of us uh, older folks against all the youth. There were a multitude of youth. Let me just put it that way. And it was myself, uh, Gene Snyder, and Marcy Smith, and we were playing against all the youth. And uh, about midway through the game, Marcy took a nasty spill on the concrete and got a strawberry down her leg. She was down for the count. She was out. So it was just myself and Gene Snyder uh, against all the youth. And Gene and I were playing in flip-flops. Uh, so, so, you know, the odds were against us. But Gene and I had this great in-and-out game going. We go in, we go out, we go in, we go out. And eventually we won the game. We won the game. And here's the point of the story. We needed one another to win the game. We needed to, to be a part of that team that we had in order to be victorious in that. And I think there's this, uh, this idea going around in, in Christianity today that many people think that they can do it on their own. They don't think they need any help. They think they can live the Christian life. They can do this thing we call Christianity. They can do it on their own. Because their idea is that if, if I have to have somebody, that's a sign of weakness. This is especially true in the American church. That's a sign of weakness. It makes me dependent upon somebody else to meet my needs. It makes me dependent upon somebody else to, to help me. And God forbid, God forbid somebody think that we cannot handle things on our own. God forbid that people think that we can't handle difficulties in our own strength, in our own power. And God forbid that somebody see me cry. That would be a sign of weakness, and we don't want anybody to do that. And the sad truth is, is that we have a problem opening up to people today in the church. We don't want people to know anything about it. So I've seen people, uh, you know, I've been doing this for over 30-something years, and I've seen people that would, that would just quit coming. Rather than opening up to another believer about their hurts and their difficulties, they just quit coming to church altogether. They've allowed others to upset them. And because they've allowed others to upset them, they just shut the door to their Christian family. They swell up and they get mad and they refuse to be a part of a Christian fellowship. We really have a problem with this. We have a problem opening up to people. Why is that? Why is it that we do that? I think I know part of the reason is we don't want to inconvenience others, but more importantly, we don't want to be inconvenienced by other people. Uh, we don't want to do that. But you see, uh, you can't be an effective Christian if you're doing it alone. But we have this, this, this model or this idea running around in, in the world today that says you can be an effective Christian without involving yourself in the local church. And for many people today, when it comes to the church, they can take it or, or they can leave it. Can, can I just be honest with you for a moment? 
Can I just share something with you? That is a lie. And that is a lie from the father of lies. He doesn't want you to be a part of a fellowship of believers. He doesn't want you in a church where you can be discipled, where you can be disciplined, where you can be encouraged in your faith, and you find the help that you need to endure the difficulties that you experience in life. The bottom line in all of this is that we need one another. Uh, we need one another in what we call the church. These disciples, they recognized that in their own life. They didn't try to go it alone. They didn't try to do it by themselves. They walked together. They talked together. They discussed, and they shared life together. We need to follow their example and do the same thing in our own life. So first, we look to one another. The second truth I want you to pull from this passage is that we look to Scripture. These disciples were greatly disappointed. They were disillusioned. They were distraught. They were going through a, a difficulty. They believed that Jesus Christ was the answer to everything. They believed that this prophet from, from Nazareth, this teacher, this great rabbi, he was going to solve all the problems in the world. And then tragedy occurred. He was crucified. He was buried. He died. His followers ran. One of the followers denied him. Another one, another one tricked him, betrayed him. All the disciples ran to protect themselves. The movement was over. What they thought was going to change the world ended on a cross. Can't you see these two? Can't you see them walking along that road? Their head down, they're downcast, they're tired, they're disillusioned, they're disappointed. Their only hope, their only hope for rescue had been nailed to the cross. It was over. It was over. Their hopes were dead and they were buried. And along with it, all their dreams ended at that moment. But then the story takes an interesting twist. Something different happens in the story. A stranger comes up. Now Luke tells us who this stranger is so that we know for a fact who it is. But they were not allowed to recognize him that moment. And we could get into that and the reason why. But they were not allowed to recognize Jesus. And so the stranger comes up and said, Hey, what are you two talking about on the road? And they say, Hey, are you new that you haven't heard these things? And then they tell the story. They, they tell what, what they had been through, and they said, we thought he would be the one to liberate Israel, and, and, and now he's dead. It's all over. All of our hopes and dreams have been dashed in this one event. And then it says that the stranger took the Scriptures, and he opened the Scriptures up to them. And beginning with the law, going all the way through the prophets, and including the wisdom literatures, he explained to them, how the Christ was to die and how the Christ was to be raised again according to the Scriptures. He took the Scripture and explained it to them. They were surprised by what happened. But as he opened up the Scripture to them, it finds out that God was not taken by surprise. This didn't catch God off guard. God did not wake up and suddenly realize this happened. This was all a part of God's plan from the foundations of the world. So what's the truth for you and me? We too should look to Scripture. 
when we're going through difficulty, when we're going through disappointment, when we're disillusioned, we should go back to Scripture and we should look at it. Because Scripture it can be a tremendous help when you're going through difficult times. Let's go back and look at the, the Old Testament people. Why do you think the Old Testament people in the Psalms always refer back to the, to, the, uh, to the Red Sea? Why do they always refer back to that in the Psalms? You can go back and read the Psalms. It's, it's over and over in the songs that they sang about this event that happened in the Red Sea. You know the story. The people of Israel have been in bondage for over 400 years. And suddenly Pharaoh decided, hey, I'm going to let you go. After the plagues, he said, I'm going to let you go. He released them from the slavery. And so the Israelites made their way. They were making their getaway away from the land of Egypt to the promised land that God had chosen for them. They made their way, but Pharaoh changed his mind. He said, I, I changed my mind, and he sent his army out to get the children of Israel. And so the children of Israel made their way to the Red Sea, and the Red Sea was there, and the Egyptian army was coming at them in their chariots. They were stuck between a rock and a hard place. They didn't know how they were going to get out. And you know the story, that God peeled back the Red Sea. He parted the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went across on dry land, is what the Scripture says. But then when the Egyptian army followed and pursued them and, and tried to capture them, they were swallowed up by the waters. Why did the children of Israel write that down in Psalms? Why do they always go back to that event? Because it was a reminder to them that nothing happens without God's knowledge. God knows everything. Nothing catches God by surprise. It was an affirmation that God is always in control even when they did not fully understand, even when they were discouraged, even when they were disappointed, even when they were disillusioned. God was still with them. Let me tell you something, my dear friends. You may be stuck at home during this coronavirus. You may not be able to do life the way you want you. I want you to know God was not caught off guard. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows what he's trying to accomplish through this. Go back and look at the scripture and be affirmed in that. But we have to be honest. Sometimes we feel like we're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Sometimes we, we think we have trouble all around us. All of our trouble comes at one time. We go from disappointed to discouragement and back to dis disappointment. And no matter what we do, we can't seem to rise above it. I guess we could say you just feel like every day is a Monday. Every day is a bad day, and you don't seem to be able to get, a, get around it. You need to get in the habit of going back to God's Word. You need to get in the habit of going back to God's Word and seeing what God has to say to you so that you can rise above this situation and realize God's got this. It may not look like it at this moment, but God is still in control. That's what the Israelites of old did. They went back to the Scriptures and saw that. That's what these, these disciples did. They went to Scripture and it revealed truth to them. We too can go to Scripture. And we can be affirmed during difficult times. So we look to one another. We look to Scripture. Now the final truth I want to give you is this. We ought to look to God. We ought to look to God. Perhaps I should have put that one first, but there's a reason we're looking at it this way. Look at verses 30 to 31 in the passage again. When he was at the table, this is talking about Jesus. Remember, they don't know him yet. But when he was at the table with them, he took bread, 
gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. So here's the situation. Something about the way that Jesus broke bread caused them to remember. But at that moment, their eyes were opened. This is not talking about a physical recognition. There was a time of spiritual illumination that came into the heart, and they recognized at that moment that Jesus was alive. They recognized at that moment that Jesus had been raised from the dead because he was right there in front of them. Uh, th this is what they were saying. Because the look at the, the next uh, part of that verse. It says in verse 32, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while they talked with us on the road and opened the Scriptures to us? That's what God's Word does. That's what Scripture does. As you read the Scripture, it burns in your heart. There's something more. There's something I need in this passage of Scripture. Here's the thing you need to understand. All Scripture points to Jesus. All Scripture points to the Gospel. Jesus, earlier in his ministry, when he was challenging the religious leaders and, and what they were doing, this is what he said in John chapter 5, 39 through 40. He said, you diligently study the Scriptures because you think that, that by them you possess eternal life. He said, these are the Scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Did you hear what Jesus says there? He's saying that this Word does not give you life, but it points you to the one that can give you life. And the religious leaders were looking at the Scriptures, oh, this can give us life, this can give us life. No, the Scriptures point you to the one who gives life, and that's Jesus Christ. All Scripture points to Jesus. And it's at this time, as, the, as these disciples were listening to Jesus and the Scriptures were opened up to them, they finally realize, they finally realize that if God could raise Jesus from the dead, there was reason for hope. If God truly could raise Jesus from the dead, their lives were not over. Their dreams were not over. It was just the beginning. All that effort they put forth for all those years of following Jesus, it was not lost. It was just invested in something bigger than they could even begin to imagine. You see, the message of the Christian faith is one of hope concerning the future. The same God who raised Jesus from the dead is more than able to care for us during our disappointing, discouraging, and difficult moments of life. He's more than capable. Not only is He more than capable, He's more than willing to do that. Look, I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know your situation. I don't, I don't know what you're going through in your life. But I do know this. As a believer, as a follower of Jesus, you are not to forget in the midst of disappointment, in the midst of discouragement, God is still working and He can bring triumph out of tragedy. He can do it. And I believe that God is working all things out for His good, even in the midst of this situation in which we find ourselves. You see, that's what the message of Easter is all about. That's what the message of resurrection is all about. God took the worst that the world could throw at us 
He overcame the worst that could even happen, even death. He overcame it. Perhaps things are not going as you'd like. Perhaps your life is not as you anticipated it would be. You're going from one bad thing to another. You're going from disappointment to discouragement to disillusionment to dis- you're disheartened. And you don't see any end into your problems. You, you don't know what's going on. Maybe your marriage is on the rocks. Maybe you've tried everything. And your marriage is going through a time of difficulty. Maybe your job is not what you thought it would be. And you're at the end of your rope. You don't know what to do. Maybe your health is declining. Maybe you're not as healthy as you'd like to be. Maybe you have doubts and fears about this virus. Or maybe, as I often discover in my life, life's thrown you a curveball. You weren't looking for that. And, and you're having to make changes in your life. Here's what I want you to know, my dear friends. Whatever situation you find yourself in, God's word to you is that you can find hope. There is hope for you in the midst of your difficulty. You can find hope in an empty cross. Well, Jesus Christ paid the price for your sins, and he paid the price for my sins. All you have to do is believe that. Look, I'm not saying you have to understand everything in this Bible. Can I tell you, can I tell you something? I don't understand everything in this Bible. I don't. And I never will. But I trust the God behind the Bible. And so I know in proper time, he will give me more knowledge and more ability to understand the things that I don't understand now. I I want you to know that. (coughs) You can find hope in an empty cross. But not only that, you can find hope in an empty grave. You know, I, I think I wrote on Facebook today, you made the buildings empty. The tomb is still empty. It's still empty. And because of that, there's hope for you. You can find hope over your sin. You can find hope over death. All you have to do is come to Jesus Christ and experience life anew in Him. Now, there's one more thing I want to add. I wouldn't call this a fourth point. It could have been, but as I was reading this scripture, I, I wanted to, to close with this idea. Look at verses 33 through 35 one more time. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Here's the things I want you to notice. Look at this phrase. They got up and returned at once now just previously if you go back up to verse 29 they just asked jesus to stay the day with them because evening was approaching the day's almost over so by this time they've already enjoyed a meal with jesus jesus has opened their eyes and now as they sit and reflect said it says at once they got up and made their way back to Jerusalem at once so they abandoned their fear of the evening when robbers and thieves might get them when they might fall prey to dangerous animals they said we have important news and we have to share it right now right this moment 
So at once they made their way. Now why did they go to Jerusalem? Why didn't they go tell the people of Emmaus? He is risen, he is risen. Why did they go to Jerusalem? Here's the reason why. Because the disciples were hurting. They were going through a difficult time. They were still struggling with this information, and these disciples had information that the other 11 and the other believers did not have. So they rushed back to the disciples. Why? To encourage them in the midst of their difficulty, to walk life with them, to be there for them in the midst of their problems. Paul said it this way. In other words, they were encouraged, so they went to be an encourager to someone else. This is the way Paul said it. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our trouble. Stop right there. Here it is. You ready? Here it is. Remember, when you see this word, when you see that, sow that phrase, you sow that thought into your mind because God is saying, this is the reason I'm doing this. So God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Here's the point. Here's the point. Those of us who have received the good news, we have a responsibility to share it with others. Why? Because they're going through difficulty. They're going through hard times. And we are there to complete the circle. As we have been encouraged by one another, as we have read Scripture and been encouraged, as we have looked to God, we go back and encourage others to look to one another, to look to Scripture and look to God, and the circle is complete. The circle is complete. You who have received the good news, we as a church here at Western Heights, or any Christian, if you're not a part of Western Heights, whatever church you're a part of, wherever you go, you have a responsibility as a born-again believer of Jesus Christ to immediately tell others the good news. This is not an option. It's an imperative. If you have good news, you ought to share it. So what is the good news for you today? The first thing is this. God loves you, and God wants to help you through this time of difficulty in your life, whatever that is. It may be this coronavirus, but it may be any situation you find yourself in. It could be alcohol addiction, drug addiction, pornography. It could be sex addiction, uh, whatever. Any kind of addiction is holding you a slave. God can help you overcome that. It may be difficulty in marriage, an illness that you're facing, a job loss. Maybe it's just a family situation. I want you to know God loves you, and He can help you through that situation. But you've got to come to Him. You've got to come to Him. For others of you, you need Jesus. You may be looking for the government for help. Maybe you're looking to your local politicians or some political ideology. Listen, all political ideologies would die. The only thing that stands for true is the Word of God and the souls of men. God wants you to know He loves you. And He sent Jesus Christ to die upon the cross to purchase you from the slave market of sin. He says, you are a sinner conceived in sin, and there's nothing good in you. Nothing. But the Bible says that God took He who had no sin, and He poured all the sin upon Him. He took all the iniquity that the world had to offer, and He put it on Jesus. And Jesus paid the price for your sins. 
because the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Someday you're going to pay the piper. Someday you're going to pay for your sins. The question is, are you going to accept the payment that Jesus did on your behalf, or are you going to pay for your sins yourself? It's my hope and prayer that you'd ask Jesus in your heart on this Resurrection Sunday, and that God would resurrect your life, and He'd make all things new. For others of you, you're a lone Christian. What I mean by that is you're a loner. You can think you can do life without a church. Don't fall for the lie. Don't fall for the trap of Satan. Satan would do everything in his power to keep you away from the church so that you can be strengthened and encouraged and do life with other believers. Perhaps you want to be a part of Western Heights. I know it's kind of hard to do that right now. But we're here for you. And we want to hear from you. We want to help you in this life we're at. In a moment, we're going to close with a song. A couple things you can do on Facebook. If you need prayer, you put on Facebook, will you pray for me right now? You don't have to tell us what it is. We'll pray for you. Before we close this live stream, we will pray for you. If you have a question, we will try to answer it. If not on the live stream, we'll answer it afterwards. Hey, if you'd like to receive Jesus, man, we'd love to hear from you. And we'll talk to you more privately in that time. Whatever God is communicating in your heart, we pray that you'd respond.